to the world of Doctor Who, the Time Lord that explores the galaxy while on his time-traveling adventures. Welcome to the world of the longest-running science fiction series in history, with your co-hosts Susan Backstrom, David Grunt, Matthew Rose, Tom Diamond, and Craig Johnson. They explore the classic series from its humble beginnings in 1963 and tracking through time to every episode up to the current day. This is the Doctor Who retrospective, where a legend will never die. To literary license podcast this week for Doctor Who season, we are doing the Keys of Marinus from 1964. Um, it, um, it, it includes two cities, a jungle, and an icy wasteland. And um, so, what? How is everybody today? Jet lagged. I'd like to introduce our new cast member, Marios. Hi everybody, nice to meet you all. I'm Matt Rose. Yes, yes, I'm back from America. I've been gambling in casinos, going in the wild lands of Dodo. I've been here, there, from Venice Beach to Tardis land of Galifay One. Hmm? Yeah, and I, I heard you had an escapade over to um, Las Vegas. Yes, from LA to Vegas. Somebody should write this down as a song, LA to Vegas. Oh, oh that's another story. And who yes. Did you, oh, sorry. Who did you meet? Oh, who didn't I? I got to catch up with my friend Nikki Lewis, who is one of the Cybermen. Got to meet Richard Price, who done like Jadoon, Cybermen, Simon Carrow, who's exactly. I got to meet Patrick O'Kane, who was the lead Cyberman Ashad. I said to it, may the force be with you, because he's actually in The Last Jedi. Those photos were on his table, and it took him a minute to realise what I was referencing. Um, I got to meet um, a volunteer named Susanna Malik, who I recognised instantly. Yes, yeah, she was a volunteer at a Doctor Who event, but Susanna worked on The Mandalorian. She's in the next series. So she's what I said. I said to her, I said, you just Susanna Malik. I said, well, yes, I am, sweetheart. I'm Susanna. I was in The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and Kenobi. And you can see my series Amanda, which is coming up shortly on March the 1st. <laughs> oh, I got to meet uh, Daniel Anthony, who played um, Clyde Langer. Oh, but I was only in the photo op. I didn't get much chance to chat with him. I met Stephen Noonan, the new first Doctor. Amazing guy. Great sense of humour. I got to be on the drinks reception with him on the Friday. So it's Lauren Cornelius, the new Dodo. Sophie Aldred. Um, yes. yes. Sylvester Corsa. Um, Tim Triller, um, the Welsh poetry, as, as we call him. Oh, Tim's an old friend, and he records like, oh, yes. We, we did, like, introductions on the table from him, Katie and Sophie, and they were all like, yep, yeah, we know him. Uh, Really, me. I got to meet Daisy Ashford, who plays the new Liz Shaw. Um, she is just as lovely as her mum. And tidbit for people who don't know, her mum was the great late Caroline John, 
who originally played Liz, and her father is the master, Jeffrey Beavers. So Crispy Master married Liz Shaw. So only a Doctor Who, you can always get some kind of connection somewhere. Yeah. And it was... And she plays her mum's role now, and she sounds so much like Caroline John. It's insane. Like, when I hear a lot of Liz's audios, I hear a lot in that with Daisy, which is wonderful. On the drinks, we also had the fantastic Chris Chibnall, who gave insight into the whole fob watching, where he left it open for a future showrunner if they want to contradict it or not. So if and you take, take that as you will, but he basically said, it's Doctor Who is anything. Like, you could have, I don't know, in the 1960s, you could literally have the Tenth Planet Cybermen and somehow they're stumbling around in Stephen Moffat's era. So Doctor Who contradicts itself all the time. But I also got to reconnect with Janet Fielding, um, who is one of the loveliest people. I haven't seen her for a long time. I only met her once it, when she still had her short hair. And she came in the Power of the Doctor outfit. Um, Craig Ells, who played Carvinista. Um, so basically, uh, my question is, who didn't I meet? I got to photo up with Fraser Hines, Wendy Padbury, and Michael Troughton. Uh, basically, the big Finnish team, I kept getting them all to sign my Vortex mag. I've got an exclusive print from Gallifrey. I've got a custard cream badge. I've got the legendary ribbons that you collect. Props was insane, like the Daleks were incredible. There was a TARDIS um, that actually was an interactive TARDIS so that you could actually um, play on where the console goes up and down at Galley One. And I was so good I couldn't get a photo on that, but the TARDIS was next to it. I've had a photo of the McGann TARDIS, which they use on the main stage. They had an ice cream social. Galley One was just absolutely insane. It lived up to its reputation but Jodie was so lovely I gave her a blanket from a friend and I said to her this is for you Jodie it's a gift and she no way what she was so lovely she still was on point I got that photo is me holding up the blanket a photo of her on the green screen of the TARDIS um doing the heart lapels Yes, and I also got Stephen Noonan, the first doctor to do it, who will be covering oh, but the keys of madness when we get back to but I know that was Hartnell, but he plays in that um Lauren Cornelius who plays Doda. It was just incredible. I've got loads of photos. I've got one where it and I've done a joke on Twitter and Daisy Ashford um was laughing today about it because I said, Oh look, um it's me, Lauren and Tim, who somehow has mistaken me for Stephen Noonan. He's held me hostage and Daisy and Lauren's faces confirmed this. But if you've never been to Galley One, it's worth it. They now run the tickets, from my understanding, all the way up until the end. So it gives you a lot of time. If you book it in April, it gives you a lot of chance to get savings. So I say do it. It's a convention that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and even if you do it the once, or if you desire to go regularly, it's for you. Pre-book in advance. I had all my photo ops booked, and I still booked them a day. Autographing. I've got this fantastic print from Sophie Aldridge's website for Power of the Doctor. It's a collage, and I was only wanting Jodie to sign it. I got Chippen to sign it, because he was signing for free. Jamie Magnus Stone, the director, was signing for free. The only two, I had a diamond pass, so Jodie's was free, 
So the only one I actually paid for decided was Janet, really. <laughs> but all in all, do it. Galley One is fantastic. And oh, last there. Oh, it was. Honestly, between that and Vegas, I got to meet the Rapport Arts in Vegas because I, I, I went for a brunch there. They, they were fantastic. They were really nice. So I followed off the TARDIS to Queenland, like the way. And honestly, I went to Venice Beach for Santa Monica. Uh, I stayed and I had a first class flight from LA to Vegas. And I had a business suite in a hotel called the Venetian, which had gondola rides on the inside. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to take up this entire cut of just verse, but I just want to say incredible yeah. true week. Sounds, cool. to... Sounds awesome. And, yeah, and if anybody has never done a convention, yeah, if anybody's never done a convention, I give, I'm going to give you quick recommendations now. Um, Phantom Films, they do signage and Chiswick monthly, so they're good starters. They've got Bonnie Langford going in March, so if you want to signing events, Cygnus Alpha, but if you want to go hardcore in England, it's Showmasters, America, you've got your Galaxy Cons, Pensacola, Gallifrey One. You'll always be accommodating now for Doctor Who across the planet now. Mm. That sounds good, Matt. Yeah. How about you, Marios? What have you been up to? Have you done any right. writing lately? Yes, I am actually going to be releasing my new book on Thursday on World Book Day, which is The Sir Benedict Files, which was a two stories in one book. Nice little pocket size, going to be on Amazon and Kindle. And it's about an aristocrat investigating the supernatural in his own museum. So it's all very exciting. I'm hoping that will get it going off to a good response at the moment from my beta readers. And also I've got another book out called The Unwanted Guests which is basically a story about werewolves. So anybody is interested in werewolves, it's out there. It's about a guy called Dr. Edward Sampson inviting guests to his opening of his new book. So hopefully all goes well, but you never know what lurks around the corner from that one. But it's, again, um, a lot of good responses from that book as well. But I'm also working on a new series called The Unexplained Anomalies. So watch out for that one coming in Easter as well. And again, paperback and Kindle. So writing world going fantastic and now joining this fabulous podcast as well, which I'm so excited about as I just love Doctor Who. I've loved it since 1988. So my first doctor, of course, Sylvester McCoy. And my favourite companion of all time is, of course, Ace, Sophie Aldred. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to being um, joining you guys and talking about Doctor Who every month. Well, well before we get on to it, you don't look like you're from the 80s. I thought you were, like, from this era. You look quite good for somebody that grew up in night. Watching them in 1988. Oh, thank you. Everybody keeps saying, you don't look your age. You don't look your age. But I am oh, three years old. <laughs> so. You're 43. People keep telling me I'm 19 and I'm 27, in they? <laughs> I keep getting asked for ID, Matthew, all the time. It's ridiculous. 
Oh, sorry, Craig, what, what did you get ID for? I got ID. Well, I went to Tesco's to buy a, um, a bottle of wine for a friend for the birthday and then wanted an ID at the desk. I had I had to go and get an ID card because they ID'd me for a cooker lighter to light a candle. You know, oh, one of those, the long yeah, the yeah. long thing that lights the cooker, and um and it really and and I said, look, I'm 41, and then she said, oh, my dad's 41. I thought, you know, talk about kick someone when they're down. You <laughs> know, she made me feel really old. <laughs> It happens yeah. all the time, honestly. I was out one day getting a drink. We, I was with my boss and we were, we were in a bowling alley and he was next to me and he said, what, what would you like? I said, what I wanted. And the guy who was younger than me at the bar said, can I have your ID, please? And I go, this is my boss. He can tell you that I'm of age to get a drink. <laughs> Yeah, I've got all the pics in here. It's um, the ones with Jody and everybody. They're on my Facebook. I'm waiting for the digital copies because I think, oh, just a last tidbit on that. There's someone, one of the volunteers told me in all the years of Headliners of Gallifrey, think of Eccleston's, think Joe Martin, no guest has overcrowded Gallifrey one as Jodie, so she had the biggest queue. She, I would say she brought in the lines that David Tennant brought in London. Yeah, wow. Man. Yeah. I and saw George, was the guest speaker on um, Saturday Night Takeaway yesterday, on, on Saturday, sorry, on the Ant and Dex. Do what was funny is uh, Chibnall Gate crashed her panel her script reading and on her final panel, Janet and Sophie get crashed. Her one. Wow, that's funny. That's awesome. I know. I've seen the pic. It looked like Janet and Sophie were trying to hop over the couch like action star to get on there. <laughs> they need their own series loads too. <laughs> I I know. Like, what day is it? Is it Thursday? <laughs> I, I I mean, say what you will about Chris, but he did he did write some really strong comedic moments in his era when he did. It really hit off, like Tegan like not being good with an iPhone. Like, what day is it? Thursday? Like she was hallucinating. And um, for myself, I haven't really had time to do much. My mum's been pretty sick recently with different surgeries and um, stuff like that, so I, I haven't really been. Um, creating much stuff but I've been watching um I watched uh the Black Panther 2 um and I've been following the Apprentice and the Dragon's Den I've been watching that and um <laughs> just kept yeah and watching Doctor Who and reading books for the podcasts and um yeah so with that let's cut to the trailer and we'll be right back This is the synopsis for Doctor Who, The Keys of Marinus. The first Doctor, his granddaughter Susan, and her teachers Ian Charleston and Barbara Wright arrive on a small island on the planet of Marinus where they meet Arbiton, Keeper of the Conscience of Marinus. A vast computer developed as a justice system was kept law and order across the entire planet. Arbiton explains the society of Marinus is in danger. As the Vord, Humanoid creatures protected by amphibian-like black rubber wetsuits are seeking to enter the tower to take control of the conscience. To prevent this, the conscience requires five keys, and Arbiton coerces the doctor and his friends to gather them by placing a force field around the TARDIS. As they teleport to the city of Morphton, Arbiton is stabbed to death by a Vord 
that has gained access to the tower. In Morphaton, the crew are impressed by the luxuries of the city. However, Barbara soon realizes that they have been hypnotized and that the Morphaton is actually a place of dirt and squalor. The creatures who grow, govern Morphaton order Barbara's death, but Barbara escapes and hides in the city where she makes contact with the slave girl, Sibitha who has been blamed for Barbara's awakening and sentenced to death. Barbara notices one of the keys around her neck. They escape and destroy the creatures, freeing the subjects of the city. Another slave, Eltos, remembers that he is also sent by Abraton, and he and Sabitha join the doctor and his crew on their quest. While the doctor continues to the city of Melanus, the others search in a dangerous screaming jungle. After triggering a trap, Barbara is lost in an ancient temple in the jungle. While Ian remains at the temple to search for the key, Sabitha and Susan continue to the next location. Ian finds Barbara in the temple where they discover an aged scientist, Darius, who reveals the location of the next key before dying. Ian and Barbara retrieve the key and transport to an icy wasteland. They meet the dubious trapper, Vazer, who steals their keys. Ian and Altos confront Vazer and force him to take them to the ice caves where they find Sabitha and Susan with mechanized ice soldiers and discover the next key frozen in a block of ice. As they flee, Vazer takes Susan hostage, but an ice soldier kills him and the group escapes. At the next location, Ian is accused of the murder of Eprin, a friend of Altos. At Ian's trial, the doctor returns and postpones the trial where he gathers evidence. Susan is kidnapped as a hostage to persuade the doctor to stop investigating. The kidnapper persuaded the judges to find Ian guilty. However, Susan is found bound and gagged and the plot is uncovered. The doctor finds the final key hidden in the murder weapon and Ian is freed. The travelers return to Arbiton's island where Altos and Sabitha have been held prisoner by Yartek, Arbiton's killer, and the four keys have been seized. The doctor frees Altos and Sabitha and unmasks the Vord. Ian gives Yartek a false key found in the screaming jungle where Yartek places the key in the conscious. The machine explodes and he is killed along with the occupying Vord. The Doctor, Susan, Ian, and Barbara flee the tower with Altos and Sabatha before the growing blaze overtakes the ancient structure. And that was the synopsis for Doctor Who's The Keys of Marinus. Hello and welcome back to the True Licence Podcast. Today we're discussing The Keys of Marinus 1964, William Hartnell, Ian, Barbara, Susan, the whole shebang. And um, what, what are your thoughts, Matt? Well, as Craig, as you know, but the audience does it. Hartnell here has moved on. I am now on Patrick Charlton, but I'm going to sit back my, into my original incarnation before Joe Martin arrived. Hmm? So, yes, yes. So, basically, I, from what I recall of The Keys of Marinus, I found it a very delightful story. I can understand why the Vord, um, or as people have called it, don't, don't shoot me for this, People have called him Doctor Who's answer to Gimps before there was Gimps. So before the I. Of yes, the, the OG <laughs> Gimps, as you might say. The original Gimps, you might say, chest, chestity belt. Oh, so, oh, sorry, that was Stephen Noonan um, slipping back out there. <laughs> um, basically, I found this a really delightful story. As you noticed, Terry Nation was building up his own particular creature universe. You already had the Daleks. And I think the Vord were trying to be the next big thing to the Daleks, but unfortunately, it didn't work out, did it? The Vord have only recently resurfaced on Big Finish and one mention in the new series with Marinus in Capaldi's penultimate story with the Cybermen. 
confirming that they, the Cybermen are basically a old form of like the Vord. But I I'd have to say this was one of my favorite Susan episodes. She seemed like she'd come more into herself with this. It's it seems like the more damsel and distress this week would seem like um it seemed like Ian, he just seemed like it was more of the comedic banter. It's like the Vord was there and it was like Barbara was taking the lead a bit more and Ian was like swapping. He was like, rescue me, we got the Vord and all this business. But it, it was insane. Like the the comedic stuff with Marinus, it, it's really funny, but it's really a dark story. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know it's of its time, but I think one of the Vord, when it died, like I think it fell out of the window or something. And you could tell it's something. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad for like it's. But I mean, that was cutting age, but it looked like something pulled out of a comedy movie. I was expecting oh, the will. In, in the original um, shot, they were just going to do an off-screen death where he just falls backwards. But then uh, someone complained and said, "Well, we need to be able to see this." So then they had to go back to visual effects to actually show the. Uh, Vord falling down the shaft into the acid. Yeah, because somebody pulled that scene and had either the Wilhelm screen or Goofy screen because it's just hysterical watching him fall down. Mm. But for me, Marinus, like the keys of Marinus, is a real. It's a it's a little bit of a slow burner, but so is the Daleks. But when you meet the Vord, you you're not sure whose side they're on. Like you're assuming that they're going to be the really nice people, and then they're actually they're the enemies of the story, and I think that was the great twist of that one. You like, you meet the Sensorites, you meet, you meet the Vord, but it, and the Daleks, but the Daleks you knew were pure evil from the get go, but the Vord, and as I say, oh, I just mentioned it. Oh gosh. Oh, oh, they're the mind people I've just mentioned that Susan was talking about. Oh, just yeah, the sensorites. Yeah, sorry, bear with me. I'm a jet lag. I'm still grab my brain. My brain is still knitting back together. Um, I love, I love the slug-like creatures in the glass domes. They were pretty cool. Oh yeah, I, I'd yeah. have to say, Terry Nation was trying to build up really creepiness, really strong character. But, to me, personally, Terry Nation seemed like he got the characters more. Like, Susan didn't seem like, um, like, I'm the ankle each week. It seemed like it were actually more than that, but other writers weren't getting Susan. Every time Terry Nation, I think he was Susan's strongest writer because I think he didn't want her to be like the cowardly girl all the time. The Daleks was understandable because you could sort of tell that was like her first true alien experience where the Vord and the Sensorite, she was coming into a sense of calmness with all this traveling. I personally, for me, it, it's the beautifulness of the Vord set. Like when you watch yeah. it on the whole, it I really, love it. It really did feel the, the way they did alien planets was really well done. Um, yeah, let's look at the Daleks. So when we did cover the Daleks, it was like really high end budget when they were looking out at the city. It looked like film esque for like what they worked with. Yeah, it was like the key to and, time, minimal, like in four episodes. Oh yeah, um, which is a rarity for Hartnell about being that small because that doesn't happen until a bit later in his run with like Vicky and them lot. For me, I find the keys of Marinus 
I found it one of Susan's finest performances on The Doctors. Uh, but it's just so funny, like how the aliens are so alien about the board. They're so blind to them being the enemy until it's a bit late. And that's what I like about Terry Nation. He always done the unexpected with each of his stories. You see, I was, when I was watching it, I felt something totally different from what you were saying, Matthew, about the whole story. I mean, it was a great story. I mean, the scenery was fantastic, the way it was filmed and everything. But for me, it was six episodes long, which back then, it was like, oh my gosh, six episodes for a whole, you know, for a whole story. Wow, usually you get like four episodes, you get three episodes, six episodes long. But I thought Susan's character actually in that story, she was quite weak in some of the episodes. That, I mean, she was screaming at one point and then, oh, doctor, doctor, oh, grandfather, you know, she comes, they're trying to find her and she's missing again. And then, but she was, a, for, for me, she was weak, but for, for the strongest was Barbara, for, for me, in that one. Yeah. I know Barbara was the lead. That's why we kept calling Ian the damsel. It's so yeah. funny. Like in some episodes, they kept swapping. So yeah, one, that's week, right. one, <laughs> one week, Barbara was damsel in distress. Next minute, it was Ian. Next minute, it was right, Susan. Right. No, no, it was Susan's ankle who was the damsel. Yeah, that's right. Susan's ankle. It's like, oh, my ankle. Oh, no. Please help oh, me. Hold on. hold on. Take one. Uh, Susan, what are you doing? Eh, my ankle! Oh, oh okay, not again. Go Charterfield, go and get the band-aid. But then I read somewhere, I read somewhere before we came on, was that this was her least favourite episode that she did. That this was what yeah, made she wanted to quit. She described it as being feeling pathetic, I think, yeah. I read somewhere. But it, it brought in the ratings. I mean, episode one got 9.9 .9 million viewers. Um, yeah, and the, by episode six, it was 6.9 million viewers. But yeah, the perspective that I looked for it for this one is this is Terry Nation verse. He was trying to build, build it all around the monsters and the characters yeah. were the supporting ones. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the monsters, that was great because he sort of like he got the board in those glass there and she went and Barbara, you could see Barbara didn't want anything to do with it. She went and smashed each and every one of them to get everybody back to how they were. Yes. I like um, the idea of the bracelets, the travel time bracelets. That was yes, yes. The proto-time ring, as you could call it. Yeah, it reminds me of Genesis of the, the Daleks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, Craig. It reminds you of um, Precious Gollum Turner Goblin Doctor. Sure. Favorite moments, guys. Uh, Favorite. I'd have to say the one. I'm the, oh, sorry. The one that you just mentioned, the smashing of the scene was beautiful because it's like Barbara was just like, no, I've had enough now. It's time for us to pack yeah. off and go. This is too much for me. We can't cope with the board. They're like, it's like the facade was dropped. These nice little people are the enemy, and they just wanted to get the frick out of there. 
I think I, I agree with Matthew on this one. I think Barbara there was just top notch because she just literally, it was like Ace with a ba baseball bat and she just went, <clears throat> like smashed it in the air. It was awesome. She really did it justice. The board were pretty clumsy because they were very rubbery. Yeah. And they must have been so yeah. not able to see what they're doing or. It was. I read some of the actors couldn't breathe in that thing on certain days when they were filming. And was it my imagination? Benson played one of the boards and he he actually um, he wrote about playing the clumsy board in a rubber fetish magazine. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. The Candyman was there too. No, not really. Oh, the Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> what in the same mag or the episode? <laughs> It'd make an interesting episode, wouldn't it? Yes, Attack Attack of the Candy Vault. And we could have the slabs from 2005 as well. I thought you said. I thought you said something else. You have literally. <laughs> I thought you and Keith have lowered the tone on this glorious day. The, the other thing which I was going to add, I don't know if you noticed in it, that William Hartnell's Doctor wasn't featured for a bit of time in one of the episodes. I don't know if you noticed. I, I, think, I think he was on holiday. He was on holiday and his memory was bad, so he kept forgetting his lines and it was taking ages to record, apparently, I heard. Oh, really? Ah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I didn't realise that the Hartnell memory fail was there from the get-go, but we didn't know about it until they've all started talking about it now because you kind of get it when it's the latest stuff with Vicky and as you go on, you can sort of tell more when it goes on. But to be there from the early days, it's just a bit sad that he was deteriorating from the beginning, but it also explains the line fluffing when he says things like Charlton and Chesterton. That wasn't in the line, it's like on the paper. That was right. to help Hartnell remember. Ah, now I understand that it, why it's like that, but it's been like that, to be fair. Oh, Stephen Noonan now does it as well for Big Finish. He does it on purpose to match what Hartnell did. Mm. Yeah, but in terms of Marinus itself, it's a great concept. It's a great premise. But to me, I, I as I say, though I found Susan was a bit better in this one, I think the writers kind of also unfortunately lost faith with Susan because they didn't really want this bright, enigmatic character, which is ironic when Vicky comes along, she's essentially Susan, how she should have been from the get-go. Because that's what they tried to compare her with as well. They, um, Vicky, wasn't it, with Susan? And she didn't want to be a Vicky. Vicky didn't want to be a Susan lookalike, basically. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vicky kind of was when it was with Ian and Barbara, but then when it was with Stephen, that's when I think she came more into her own. Mm -hmm. All so in all, on. the story was very good, very well done, well, very well written, I think. Mm. I just think the reason they kept short drawing Susan is because I think they wanted to say to like kids or something, like, it's okay, the doctor's granddaughters in danger it's fine for you to be in danger i don't from, I forget i don't remember kids if you hurt your ankle like susan always go ah the ankle you can be found you can be found easy it's true it's true or go back to the tardis and say oh i just need new shoes <laughs> yes oh yes 
Oh, uh, what was it? Somebody kept telling me they kept making me laugh. I think it was Keith or some. He kept commenting on how God Earth can Susan run in those shoes like for a jungle and not fall over, but yet a twig takes her out. <laughs> and she manages to always find the city herself, and no one else. Oh, um... Yes, and then in the Five Doctors, she's mature. She's great. She's older. You go through the entire episode, and then what happens? So there's a cyber just about to turn up. She hurts her ankle. <laughs> It's weird that they thought that Barbara could have been a Vord. Mm. Mm. Her mind gets transferred, you mean? Mm. That would have been well, brilliant, actually. Mm. Yeah, and now we know that Marinus is technically one of the Hearns of the Cybermen, which is funny because that they didn't happen until Hartnell left. Who knows where it might, could have gone if the Vord was that popular? Mm. Mm. I mean, we could have seen the Vault turn up with Peter Capaldi, like, and being converted into Cybermen to so what happened next. But hey ho, we'll never see those gimps again on, on live action. I mean, oh. I'd say it's very um, surreal to see those, those kind of stories again, because that's the first time I've watched it since I had the VHS tape um, back in the day. And watching it, it was just like, oh my goodness, I could see the wibbly wobbly sets you know, going to and fro and, you know, the costumes as well. It was all very, like, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm actually watching something back in the 60s again because I haven't watched any of the 60s episodes until now, if you know what I mean. I've always watched the later ones, but this now going back to them, it feels surreal. It does feel surreal. Because the title is on the glass beach and that do you, do you guys th agree it the, the pyramid looked a bit like a piece of Toblerone <laughs> it's true it did look like a piece of Toblerone I thought yeah let's see if we can just chop chop one bit off and try to eat it as well <laughs> what is it what is a Toblerone dear Susan is this some kind of is it some <laughs> kind of weapon that Charlton had invented <laughs> did they have Toblerone in the 60s I wonder <laughs> I think I think it was about seventies or eighties, but we kind of invented it a bit earlier, like we nearly did with the cave people. Whoops. <laughs> what do you guys think of Arbitan? Arbitan the Farbatan, yes. Hmm. I'm trying to remember now. Conscience, <laughs> conscience of Marinus. Yeah, was oh, he not? <laughs> was he the was he the old geezer that was really nice and not everything? Yeah, yeah, I know who you mean. Reminds me of Fagin from Oliver Swiss. I don't know why, but <laughs> he was I, nice. I, it was a bit wet though. I found a little bit wet <laughs> in some ways. I, don't like it. I thought you meant. I thought you were going to say that he reminded you of the Martin and Slinda sketch from Martin and Slinda. We yes, we have him here. Yes, Marvin the Fagan looks a bit like an old cretin. The Arthur Dodger, yes. <laughs> but, uh, he ended up getting killed, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. It's always funny, like the old codgers, like Terry Nation kept writing, always seemed to die first as well. <laughs> Did you notice he when he was talking about? Um making the machine he said we as if like he was part of the machine builders which would have made him like 2000 years old yeah i think he might have been but we'll never know because 
Ford never got a TV sequel. <clears throat> Big finish, we love stories. <laughs> <laughs> Which we cannot wait for to, to hear him again. <laughs> but yeah. what it reminded me of going to search for the keys, I don't know if you ever heard of a, a series called Tea Bag. It reminded oh, me. Yeah, and it reminded me when the, when the young when Batten said, "Go, you must go and search for the keys. You must go and search for them." And then they go off to the different parts of the city to search for it. it just reminded me of that style, yeah. and it teabag straight away when I thought that. She'd be a good villain. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, especially with um, Sylvester McCoy's doctor or Colin Baker's. It's quite British <laughs> as well. Exactly. And she's still, she's still around, Georgina Hale and Elizabeth Esterson. They're still around. Oh. Yes. Matt's too young to know that. Yeah, no, it's, no. That, it's that generation, isn't it? Baby. <laughs> well, I am a very researcher. If I know what the banana splits are, I can always research, you know. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 and all that. <laughs> The music, I thought the music was quite nice. Yeah, I, I, I think the radiophonic workshop, every time t- they work with Terry, they really make the atmospheric come alive. They yeah. always seem to, like, in the darkness of the vault stuff, it's, it's really fascinating how they always brought the sounds to life in every episode for the 60s. Was it, was it the Screaming Jungle? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? The Screaming Jungle, where these um, plants had a life of their own. Oh, yes, yes. No, I think they've got the proto version of the Varga plants or something. I mean, or another type of them, because I noticed with Terry Nation with the Daleks, he loved the Varga plants and then he got the Vord stuff. So yeah. it's like he became like plant fetish as well as gimp fetish. We, we should rena- rename this episode Doctor Who and the Gimps of Marinus. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and then you just literally replace all the music with like really comedy, like Barry White style type music, like Susan. No, 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 no. My ankle, my ankle. No, 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 no. We'll save you. Oh. And then Barry White like starts playing out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we've just been shot for literally destroying the keys of Mariners. That's how I'm going to remember this episode with all of this going on. Does anyone, does anyone, Barbara's time ring, ring was missing and they found it with blood on it. Did you notice that? And then Yeah, I noticed that and I was thinking what on earth has happened to Barbara in this one? It's always yeah. going to be one that's forgotten, lost in the time ring. You know, it's ridiculous that bit. It's like I thought they were all <laughs> together. That wasn't blood, dear child. That was my strawberry jam lunch. Because hmm? it was Su- it was the jungle that was screaming at Susan, <laughs> and then she collapsed. <laughs> Ow! Me dramatic anchor. Oh wait, not the anchor. Ah, the... Never mind. Time for four. Yeah. I mean, I, mean... I, love, I love Susan to bits, but at the same time. It, they made her feel both independent and unindependent in these episodes. One minute, she feels like that eternal, like young child as an alien, like the same civilization comes from my grandfather. I know people say Tennant's like the most human doctor, but I think Susan became the most human Time Lord in the times before there was a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I agree with you. Then. I hope Susan has a comeback and she comes into the new series. Well, we keep hearing she could be in the six if there's all that talk at the minute. They're hinting she might be that mysterious companion that they keep hinting might be in the last episode of the 60th. But then again, they said Bonnie Langford could be was seen filming as well, so it could be Bonnie Langford being. Yeah, but that was yeah that was Photoshop. But Ruth Madeley was actually there, so that was funny. <laughs> That Ruth Madeley's Photoshop ended up being true. So who knows? I mean, for all we know, it could be Carrot Top from Las Vegas turning up. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see what happens. I've just read there's a na- there's now a work of a gay pornographic literature called The Velvet Web, which is the same title as episode two. It was published by Virgin in 97, and it was penned by a well-known Doctor Who novelist under a Swedenism. But it Do the Abbott said writer? <laughs> Who was the writer? Sorry, it's um, it's uh, it's well known, but they they haven't revealed who. Matt, you have to do some research on that one. Uh, uh if it's that kind of shady stuff, I could, <laughs> I could see it be Joe Lidster or Paul Mars. <laughs> if Paul Mars could write Katie Manning as Iris Wildtime, is the Velvet Web is definitely his territory. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, the oh, story... it... Sorry, Matt. No, no, you go on. I was finishing. It, it's interesting the story. It starts off by being around a conflict between members of the TARDIS crew, and then um, it shows that they can develop and have relationships and their own stories around something happening outside of the TARDIS as well. In, con- in in conjunction with each other. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I like the way they sort of like, you know, when they're mingling with the other people in the in the city as well. And, and that happens in each and every story you see within the 60s, that they try to make friendships along the way, and which they did in this one. They have made, you know, friendships towards the end. And they were saying goodbye, oh, we'll miss you, you know, good luck and things like that. Because they spent a long time together. I, within the story, yeah. Philip Hinch mm. wrote the novel. Yes, I know he had, which is I funny because I think the original writer for the story, either I think he was alive or they just asked him. And it was the most weirdest thing that Hinchcliffe was the only non-Hartnell person to write a Hartnell novelization at that point. Martin Court, he played a Vord. A warrior and I and an ice soldier and Adam. Yeah. Is that because of budget? No, it's called BBC. We only have four actors. <laughs> and Peter Stenson, he he was a board and an ice soldier and a second judge. Mm. Wow. Yes. Many Christopher <laughs> Benjamin. Christopher Benjamin was some gent called Mr. Henry Gordon Jagan, and he turned up in Unicorn and the Wasp with someone else, BBC's short actors. Hang on, didn't Fiona Walker play in that episode, or was it just my imagination? Yeah, yep, she's in the Vaud episode as well. I thought so, because I remember seeing her name. Carla. Yes, and then later on, she played Lady Painfort. In, um, yeah, so the Phantom Films did a reunion with her with her cast member from the board. Uh, they did one recently. 
I'm still and surprised the... Fiona Walker's doing signings. Oh, well, they need a prequel to that one. We need yeah. to know who we met. <laughs> oh, yeah, she knows who the doctor... We know who the doctor truly is. The doctor is... Oh, I'm so sorry, dear. You just got run over. This is Mrs. Doubtfire. You've been here by the Guinness Book. I love it, I love it when Lady Painfort says, your secrets, and then the cyber leader just says, yeah, whatever, we don't care about the Doctor's secrets. We don't. Out the way, out the way. It's about destruction of the Doctor, <laughs> not power of the Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Doctor's secrets are no matter to us. <laughs> the very sexist yeah, cyber it... they see Ace, They see Ace, and they're like, destroy the human female. <laughs> and then they... And then they see the doctor like out the way. You, he gets destroyed. We don't want his secrets, the charlatan. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then the giant poo flies through the air from the bunker. <laughs> I thought you said a giant apu, like from the quickie mark. I thought you literally meant they threw apu into a cannon from the Cybermen. <laughs> they, they were shrouded, don't forget. <laughs> and they just and, a lizard. Yeah. And don't forget, Nick Courtney turned up in Silver Nemesis. He's actually in the episode. Really? Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the tourists that is actually in Silver Nemesis. Oh, Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I need to it. watch that, it again. Yeah, it's, it's I what, heard it's the it's the cast and crew who were in who were doing the tour. No way. Yeah, and Nick Courtney. Nick Courtney did it before they actually filmed in the production for Battlefield, so it was a hint that the Brigadier was coming. Yeah. Brilliant. (laughs) And if you notice, it's the first time the Doctor and Ace wear the fez before some guy in a bow tie wears it. And it was never mentioned about why the fez with Ace in any of his episodes either. Mm, Yeah, and then suddenly with Eleven, it's like, Oh, yes, I love it. I don't remember Ace wearing it because I've forgotten who she was until Power of the Doctor. <laughs> so, guys, let's um, let's rate this out of five. Oh, uh, you don't, oh, you've missed one segment you normally do. Least favourite moment. Oh, go on there. Least favourite moment, then. Over to you, Matt. Oh, no, we'll go with Marius because, um, because he's got a lot to say. Oh, gosh. The, my least favourite moment... Oh, my ankle, my ankle. That was my least favourite moment of the whole thing, was my ankle. <laughs> no, I always got better. Ow, me ankle, me ankle. <laughs> no, we love Susan to bits, but... Yes, we do, like I love her. I absolutely adore her. But she literally became both, as I said earlier, the least independent, independent Time Lord. I would say for me, um, there's a shot where there's these washing up bottles that float across a sea of acid. Um, (laughs) And then in the next scene, they're ginormous. So it doesn't make the the juxtaposition didn't make much sense. Um, Oh, it does. Oh, it does. They're Time Lord washing up bottles. (laughs) They're bigger on the inside, you know. It looked like something from Prowler. Prowler, is this a film we can actually talk about, or are we going to get shut down for this? <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I know nothing. I'm from Barcelona. But in terms of positive stuff, I love, I love the the, the collecting the keys, the yeah. adventure. 
that it felt alien the music um and it was a, it was it was good it was um and it, we just had marco polo so i don't know why ian was wearing a dressing gown though for the whole thing uh, it's a bit weird he could have changed. maybe he didn't have time to change no <laughs> well basically he was channeling david Tennant before david was born Oh, he could have been channeling the power of the doctors because they, they were all in kimonos. Yes, except for some gentleman called Paul McGann. I don't do rules. Oh, we know you don't. So uh, Sylvester was complaining about you in the green room, dear sir. So what's the next one after Kings of Mariners? Now is the ratings. You're getting ahead of yourself. Oh, God, the Aztecs. Okay. The Aztecs. I'm actually watching that one at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Historical. Yeah. Well, yeah. you two have jumped ahead. You haven't done the rating. Literally skip to the next episode. <laughs> rate this before Keith sacks me. Um, <laughs> what would you rate this out of five? I basically would give it hmm, I'd give it three chocolate gold stars. It would have gotten a third. And how about I'm you? going to give it a four out of five, only because it was like six episodes. I preferred it to be shorter than six episodes. Yeah, I struggled with when I got to episode five. Um, I'll give this four and a half out of five. Oh, you're generous. <laughs> I think I was the brutal one, and I'm the nice one. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings us to the end of our literary license podcast of the Keys of Marinus. And um, do you guys have any social medias you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I am on um, Twitter at Mario Iraclius. I have got Instagram Mario's Rights and also, again, Facebook Mario's Rights as well. And hopefully after this, I can um, add my links onto the actual um, website as well for everybody to see if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, that sounds cool. How about you, Matt? Oh, I have far, far too many links. But first one, I am officially back on TikTok. Yes, I, yes I've joined that world. Um, I am also on the dark web. I mean, Twitter and Mastodon. I have quite a, an Insta fish. I mean, Gram or whatever you call it. I've completely, I completely lose track here. But yes, I will say I will start be plugging these a bit more now that I'm back. I will get a shopping list together of my URLs for next week for people. I mean, oh, next time, sorry. I'm literally stuck in the time vortex here of LA jet lag. So please forgive an old... Forgive a silly old buffer like me. 
And also, I'd just like to say thank you very much for making me feel very welcome in my very first podcast as well. And I'm delighted to be here. You know what? Yeah. Doing Sylvester McCoy, it's gonna be, we're gonna be talking forever, aren't we? <laughs> yes, just... and don't forget about Colin. He'll be talking forever about Colin and the Rainbow. No, I, I want. I, I I will vouch to this day. I'm still waiting for Colin to write his autobiography called Even More of Me. <laughs> we could call it Spare. <laughs> uh, oh no! What we should do is have Colin hold up the bulk, pointing to it, and say, "Change, my dear, and hurry up, because this moment has really passed." Call it. I'm the doctor, whether you like it or not. That would be a good one. Oh, I know he's got a really sour face towards Harry. Like, am I actually promoting this? I love Colin. <laughs> um, and for me, if you want to check out my artwork, you can check out my Etsy store, Craigsworld, and you can check out my merchandise on craigsworld.org with all my links on there. So it's good night from me in East Finchley. And it's good night from me from North Finchley. And I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I'll start for Ross again. I'm all sorry, wrong place. <laughs> I'm turning a foghorn layhorn on the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> I, uh, if we got cancelled, well, I'll leave it dirty. Try my luck. Now you be the resort. Now you be my bus stop. I go claim all your love. I go claim all your love. Cause of you, girl, I they walk. I know say you go walk. By the time money go drop, I go buy all your love. I go buy all your love. I know it's destiny. Say now you and me go dead this love story. Carry my love, ego. I don't try, I don't see I'm more. Now only you girl, I want you. Now your love be my energy. Your face in my remedy. Your body they do me this. I go give you the keys to my heart to your baby. Yo. Now your love be my energy. Your face in my remedy. Your body they do me this. I go give you the keys to my heart to your baby. Yo. Body, they do me this. I go give you the keys to my heart, you baby. Oh, I don't shoot to my shot. Now you be the reward. Now me winning your heart. Oh. I go claim all your love, I go claim all your love. Cause I know what you want, and I know what you like. Oh. By the time I fit I fall, I go buy all your love, I go buy all your love. I know it's destiny. Say now you and me. Dead this love story Carry my love ego Baby please be you Will you wait for me Cause I don't try I don't see I'm more Now only you girl I want you Now your love be my energy Your face in my remedy Your body they do me this I go give you the keys to my heart To your baby yo oh. Now your love be my energy Your face in my remedy your body, they do me this. I go give you the keys to my heart, to your baby, oh. Now your love be my 
my remedy Your body, they do me this. I go give you the keys to my heart To your baby, oh Hello Hello, baby, how are you? Your body, they do Please. me this. I go give you the keys to my heart To your um, baby, oh Good, not really good I probably won't be able to come back if I'm not being able to get the money for the plane. I really wanted to come because I miss you guys. I'm like, you know, doing everything I can so I just come back for, for you guys. You know, um, I just want you to know that you're the key to my heart, baby. I love you. I could give you the keys to my heart, baby. It's STG.